Turn your love of babies and bellies into cash. If you love babies and bellies and want to provide care and support to families, then Bebo Mia's webinar is the right place for you. Get answers to those burning questions like how to be the voice you wish you had at your birth and how babies and families can be supported by doulas. Learn all about the different kinds of doulas. You can work in fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, or just enjoy working with those squishy babies. Supporting families by becoming a birth worker, aka doula, is perhaps an option that hasn't even crossed your mind, and that's why we want you to join this webinar. You can have great earning potential while doing something you love. Mia is the one-stop shop for education, community, and mentorship. Reserve your spot today at bebomia.com slash free webinar. You are tuned into the VBAC Link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Hello, hello. This is Megan with the VBAC Link, and we have an episode today to bring to you all about preparing and processing and so many other things. So this is something that a lot of people will write us about in like our Instagram, our email box. How do I process my previous births? How do I process what I'm going into? And how do I prepare for birth when I've never even given birth? Now, I want to just note on that right there, that just because you've had a cesarean does not mean you haven't been, you have given birth. That is just simply not true. So I, if that is in your headspace, I want you to crinkle it all up and throw it away. You have given birth. You just haven't maybe labored. Cause I know for me, like I hadn't labored, I hadn't progressed. I hadn't dilated, but, um, and, you know, that left me a question. Could I dilate? Especially when I had a provider telling me I, I couldn't. And so, um, we're excited today, or I'm excited today to bring Ayla on, and she is going to talk all about the wonderful things that she does. Ayla is a holistic birth guide, doula, trainer, childbirth educator, lactation counselor, health freedom advocate, and mother. Wow, that is a lot just right there. Her work is dedicated to offering guidance that supports women and men in the process that is a return to their deepest knowing about birth, individual sovereignty, and the body's innate intelligence. Wow. A conscious birth building a conscious world. Like, did that just give you chills? Because that gave me chills. Ayla, thank you so much for being here with us today and taking the time out of your very busy life where you do a whole bunch of things. And in fact, you even mentioned in the beginning that you homeschool. <laughs> like, what do you not do? What do you not do? <laughs> Seriously, thank you so much. Um, normally we read a review, but we're actually just going to get right into it. I want to know more about what led you into doing what you do today, all the many things. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. 
Yeah, so what led me to this? I um, actually was a birth photographer for many years before I started holding space as a birth doula and mm -hmm. before I became a childbirth educator. And so um, I've, burnt, I've been in the birth space for quite a long time. And what I started noticing as a photographer, kind of like a fly on the wall, was how different births were unfolding for women in different environments and how her birth team would also influence the, the like the energy field of the birth, mm -hmm. you know? And so I started taking note of all these factors and, you know, I was, a, I was a part of a few transfers, you know, meaning from a birth center to a hospital, or I was part of a woman's journey when she would, you know, decide not to go to the hospital and actually trans, you know, just work with a midwife and do a home birth. So I started mm -hmm. noticing all of these nuances and I really wanted to like get more involved and offer guidance. And so I've done various trainings, you know, for myself and um, carved out what is now this path that I'm on of offering support as a holistic birth guide, you know, and holistic really means like all encompassing. Mm -hmm. So whatever journey you're on, whatever part of your journey you're on, um, I'm going to meet you there, you know, and there is no right way to do things. And that's really, really what I've learned over the last decade is like, there is no right or wrong. It's simply what is in alignment with you. That's, that's what matters. I at the end of that. the day. I love that. And it's so important to touch on that because I feel like to, in today's society, we put so much emphasis on right, wrong, fail, success. Right. And it's so hard to feel that you failed. It's so hard to even be yeah. labeled, even labeled yeah. like on a medical record that you failed yeah. or that you you know, didn't do this. And I know for me, when I was reviewing my previous um, cesarean op reports, it triggered me. And I knew, yeah. I knew I was a doula at that point. I knew I didn't fail, but seeing the word fail was so hard. So I love that you're like, I meet you wherever you are, like, you know, and you didn't fail. And yeah, I just love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Like the litmus test for a successful birth if we want to look at it if we want to use the word successful is like mm -hmm. how you feel postpartum mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. even if a woman has had a quote-unquote ideal birth and there is a lot of kind of like sludge that she's working through postpartum that's mm -hmm. indicative to me that there was something about the birth that was not resonant right yeah you know and so that for me is like yeah like i said it's, it's the lit the litmus test like what is happening for you postpartum are you having triggers when you're mm -hmm. looking at your report are you feeling like you're still ruminating about something that occurred or something that someone said like there's always something to process you know and mm -hmm. even women who've you know had an epidural everything went smoothly and you know no bumps in the road no obvious bumps in the road she might be having a lot of anxiety postpartum and she's not really sure why because everything went fine and the baby's mm -hmm. alive and healthy and she's alive and healthy and then when you start to dig in you realize like she maybe didn't do things a certain way that she thought she wanted to. And maybe there was someone in the room who was not treating her well, but she just kind of ignored it and betrayed herself and told herself yes. that it went fine, you know? So yes, right our there. Post, yeah. Our postpartum state is really indicative of how things shook out during the birth and at face value, it might not seem like, you know, anything was wrong, but when we start mm -hmm. to dig, there might be things that we just need to unbraid and it's not right yeah. or wrong you know, yeah. but there is an unbraiding process as an op and an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love that you kind of pointed that out. Cause sometimes like I will have, I will have clients where they tell me their past birth experience and I'm like, 
wow, it like sounds so amazing. Like it sounds like your ideal quote unquote ideal birth. And they're like, yeah, but this, right. And I'm like, okay. Like, and it might not have even been something that happened, but it was some like something someone said. And it's so crazy how we look back and you're like, yeah, like it totally did happen. Like, you know, every, every way that you would want it to happen. But like you said, like there may be something that didn't happen the exact way they wanted, or someone said something and we hold on to those things. I know for me, I held on to something. I mean, no, my birth didn't go the the second birth didn't go the way I wanted it. It didn't. But at the same time, I was getting some things in that birth that I, I did desire, but something that was said to me held on for a long time. And sometimes it's those little things and it's hard to recognize them. So how can we go, especially if we have this quote unquote birth, but how can we go back and realize what it may be that is triggering us or bringing us into this space of even confusion of what, why are we feeling this way? Well, I think it's first important to recognize that we can't really do this in a vacuum. So if a woman's Mm -hmm. trying to process her birth on her own, it's difficult. It's helpful to have someone that can reflect back to you what you're saying, right? They can just reflect back what they're hearing. And and also being witnessed by someone is really helpful to express. It's, it helps us in expressing, you know, mm-hmm. and we feel safe in expressing. So you want to find someone that you feel safe talking to, right? Whether it's a, a good friend, maybe they don't know anything about birth, or it's someone who assists with birth processing. That's something mm-hmm. that I do. I just, I do one-on-one sessions. Even it's, if it's a birth from 15 years ago, I have clients who birthed 15 years ago and they're like, I'm just now realizing that things didn't go down the way that, mm-hmm. oh, in a way that felt good for me, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so- what that can look like is just walking through, you know, how did the labor begin, talking a little bit about the pregnancy, kind of reflecting on the dynamic between the woman and her partner at the time. And then, you know, looking at, you know, when did we arrive at our birthplace? What happened? Who was there? Who were the, like, what were the faces that you were, you know, experiencing? What were the things that were being said? What did you plan for? What went differently? And after kind of looking at the big picture, going back and saying like, well, let's, let's look at what, purpose and role each of those things played in our growth Mm -hmm. and so it's it's an alchemy process that we go through right it's kind of like your wounds become your gifts so how do we look at everything that shook out and how do we spin that into gold and it's not negating that things were painful or that things were you know deeply wounding on an emotional Mm -hmm. level we want to acknowledge that but we want to say like how how do we alchemize that Otherwise, you're just circling the drain for years and years. And I know women in their 60s who still talk about how horrible their birth was and how they would mm-hmm. never do it again and how, you know, and it's like, wow, do you really want to feel that way, you know, for the rest yeah. of your life? And yeah. so that's why I tell people in preparation for birth, really educate yourself and really it's never going to look exactly how you want it to, but you can get pretty close based on how well you prepare and how flexible you become. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because making a birth plan is not all of it. It's how flexible are yes. you with change? Yes. And so if you have those two components, your birth is going to unfold the way that it should, and you're going to be in deep acceptance. But if you just walk into it and say, well, I'm just going to like show up at my birthplace, the midwife's going to take care of it because like midwives are into natural things and like they'll just like do all the natural things and like I don't need to think about it. Right. So we kind of dig our head in the sand. And that's yeah. often when things don't go as planned and that's they don't turn out, you know, turn out how you want them to. So 
I would say getting into a space with someone who can reflect back to you, you know, what you experienced. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. sometimes just speaking it out loud is all you need to do. And it's helpful if you know someone who has an understanding of physiological birth Mm -hmm. so that they can say like, oh, yeah, you know, sometimes when you get an epidural, it can slow down the baby's heart rate. And that's why you probably heard a deceleration in the heart rate. And then that's, you know, often what can lead to a C-section is the deceleration. And then the woman, it clicks for her and says, oh, that's what it was. There was nothing wrong with me or the baby. Yes. It was the epidural and it's okay. And now I know. And then that just kind of like unlocks and she can Mm -hmm. like move on, you know? Yeah. And I think sometimes that can be hard because like I've heard some, so many people say like epidurals don't cause C-sections. And I don't want to say that that is fault. Like, I don't want to say like, that's true. Like epidurals don't necessarily cause C-sections, but there are things that happen sometimes after an epidural takes place that like that. There are symptoms of the epidural that can cause a C-section. It's not like, you know, A plus B equals C. It's like, no, just sometimes A and B together can go to C, they can go to D, they can go into different, Mm -hmm. you know, and you have to understand that it's a possibility always. But it doesn't necessarily mean it will cause the C-section, but it is possible. It is possible. Yeah. And um, another thing that stood out to me just now, I mean, a a lot of things, but another thing that you just uh, said was we were talking about birth plans, right? And so many of my clients, and maybe you have seen this through your experience through birth, but so many of my clients, they want these birth plans. And I'm not going to tell you that a birth plan is bad, but sometimes I feel like when we have a birth plan in place, we hold ourselves to the, these high expectations and like, we have to check this birth plan off. But when you're saying is how flexible are you with change? I want to encourage all of you listening, whether you have had one, two, three, however many um, cesareans, or maybe you're a first time mom listening and you're wanting to learn how to avoid cesarean um, and, and how, you know, things that can kind of can pan out. If we can't be flexible in childbirth, that can be really hard on us and it can impact us because childbirth doesn't happen exactly the same way every time, even my third kid, right? Like totally different. And so I love that you said like, how flexible are you with change? And is there anything that you would suggest or any tips that you could give for learning how to be flexible? Because Hmm. we, we want what we want we desire what we desire. We have this vision and we want this vision to pan out exactly how we want it to. And that is no shame. We are human beings, right? Like I go to target. I see that shirt. I want that shirt and I'm going to do what I want to get that shirt. And we go into birth and we have this birth plan and it's like this path and this is what we want. And we're here to get what we want. And sometimes it doesn't happen. So is there any way that you could give us any ideas of how to learn how to be flexible while also not getting all your desires and shoving them to the side saying, oh, well, I have to be flexible because birth doesn't pan out. Does that make sense? Totally. I mean, I think that the latter you just said, like, oh, I have to just whatever comes, comes, you know, like Mm -hmm. for me, there's a level of self-betrayal there because you're not asserting your needs, which you should be. Which Yes. So I don't necessarily think that polarization is helpful to go to that Mm -hmm. end of the spectrum. Um, However, I would say when we want to look at how to become more flexible, there are two main components for me. One is having faith 
Mm -hmm. right? Which a lot of people don't, you know, it's having trust and faith in this process. It's really hard, but that is something that's deeply personal when it comes to having faith in every area of our lives, that what is laid out is, is meant for us Mm -hmm. and seeing what we call curses as blessings and gifts, Mm -hmm. right? That's how we have to look at things. The change of mind it's, it's, like a, a it's a perspective perce- shift. Uh-huh. That's what it's, it's a whole perspective of a, it, let's look at it this way. And it's a level of spirituality that a lot of people are resistant to for whatever reason, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's that, if you're asking me, <laughs> which mm-hmm. you are. And the other piece <laughs> of that, <laughs> the other piece of that for flexibility is looking at where our desire to control comes from. And that's going to require mm-hmm. um, a, a level of inquiry that a lot of people are uncomfortable with accessing because that does require us to look at our history, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not one to be stuck living in the past. However, it is helpful to look at certain experiences that we've had throughout childhood and, you know, growing up that cause us to really need control in order to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And that comes from, you know, being in an unstable environment in childhood, right? Did you have a parent who required caretaking? And did you have a parent who was emotionally volatile that required you as a child to be like, okay, like I can't control how my parents are responding to me. I can't control the yelling. I can't control the physical abuse. I can't control the up and down schedule changing all the time. But what I can't control is this tiny little world right in front of me, which is like, maybe I organize my toys and my clothes a certain Mm. way. Maybe I eat certain foods because this is what I have control over. And then that compounds and becomes a patterning in our adult life of like, well, if I don't control the time and the place and who my OB is and the nurse that's going to be there and the birth plan and the this, and then, you know, my, my hair and my clothes and my, you know, we become hyper controlling of everything mm. because that's how we feel safe. Because as a child, that was the only that way our we, safe could, space. we could access safety. So that's just one example, because for me, the holding on to that birth plan so rigidly is that there's a fear that if we lose control, we're not going to be safe. Yeah, totally. And, and sometimes that, that's really hard to like process, like, I have to let go of this and I'm going to be safe and creating this safe space. How would you, so, so this is not necessarily specific to be back in general. This is just preparing. So we, you talk about, you, you do a lot. Obviously I just told, I just read off like 10,000 caps that you wear and there's caps that you wear that we don't even know about, right? Like you have all these caps, (laughs) I swear that you wear, but like in addition to processing and stuff like that, preparing physiological birth. We talked about it. Like, how can you prepare for that specifically? Um, or what tips would you give to really prepare for that and hone in on that? So yeah, on like the physiological level, what I invite people to do is return to more like what I would call indigenous ways of moving how we've moved before, Mm -hmm. how we moved as human beings before modern society and modern design. So what does that mean? It does not mean doing like a specialized pregnancy yoga or pregnancy Pilates program. (laughs) You know, it means like, how did we move before we had these specific things? We were squatting often. We were bending down to garden. We were sitting in a, we were resting in a squat. We were sitting in tailor pose. We were weaving, you know, sitting in tailor pose for two hours. We were walking hands and knees. We were climbing things. So if we integrate all of those natural movements, which are very, very second nature for our body, that's the best physiological preparation for birth. Mm. 
there is no like $5,000 program that's going to like make your body ready. There is, it's nothing like that. It's daily movement and resting actively. So I could mm-hmm. sit in a chair, I could slump into the couch and rest, or I could rest in a squat against mm-hmm. a wall. I could check mm-hmm. my emails and rest. I could, you know, scroll through my phone while I'm in a squat. Resting should be active and that's going to open the pelvis. It's going to add elasticity to the perineum. It's going to make the woman's legs stronger and ready for being in what is the marathon of labor, right? Um, yes. So that's what I would say. We just don't move enough as a society. And you don't need to be doing like high level cardio either. You don't need to go to the gym. You need to walk at least an hour every day and rest actively. Um, so that's that. what I would say. And then the other part of the preparation is a lot of like the more psycho-spiritual work that I talk about is like owning where we feel fear and, you know, say, okay, well, I want to feel safe. This is my birth plan. I need it to feel safe. Well, Mm -hmm. if you feel the need for that safety, it's because there's something about your birth environment or your birth team that doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. So let's like address that because you shouldn't have to rely on a birth plan to feel safe. You shouldn't have to rely on a birth plan. You should be able to communicate the things that you want. And if you're trusting that your birth team is hearing you, you're not going to feel so attached to that plan. Like, follow it. Mm-hmm. Right? You're not going to be controlling. You're going to be able to surrender. So we have to look at all, like, also at who is supporting us and is the, this the right environment for me? You know, that just resonated with me so much because with my second, you know, I wanted this feedback. Yeah. I didn't have a doula. My husband okay. was on board. I had this feeling at 36 weeks, I should change providers, but then I didn't because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to hurt his feelings or I felt bad that I was leaving his care. Uh, You were Um, caretaking your doctor. Yeah. So um, (laughs) I had all, yeah. Like I really, I was like, I I would like leave him and he's been with me for two babies and you know, all these things. And I went to the same uh, place that I knew I knew deep down, but I didn't want to accept it, that it triggered me even just walking into my prenatal visits. You went back to the scene of the crime. Went back. Yes. I went back there and I kept going back there and I would feel it when I was there and I would feel angst and I would get more annoyed as I was waiting longer in the waiting room. And I I never felt like that. I'm actually a very calm and chill, very lax, probably too lax person. And so, you know, all these things were signs and things happening. And then Obviously I had a repeat cesarean and I wasn't necessarily supported during that birth and it, it happened and I've worked through it and processed it. But with my third, I had a provider who is super supportive, super supportive. And everyone's like, yeah, you're totally going to have this feedback. Oh my gosh. And something didn't sit right. Mm. Something did not sit right. Every time I'd go in, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And I ended up leaving his care, a supportive provider at 24 weeks. And, and I changed care and exactly like what you just explained, like I knew I wanted to be back. I knew I wanted that. But other than that, there was nothing set in my way. And with, during my labor with my third, that I was like, I have to do this. I have to do this. It was like, I was just there and I was in full trust of my entire team and that space I felt that that space held me and that held me tight and it held me warm. And I felt all the love and all the support and all the tingles along the way, because I truly, 
I, I mean, I don't want to like give myself a cookie, but I nailed it with my birth team. I nailed it. Right. Give like, yourself that cookie. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I, it, it took a long time for me to find it, but yeah. having that in that space, even when it was taking long and there was like question of what do we do this? We've been doing this for a really long time. You know, even then it was like, okay. It was so beautiful. And I love that. And I love that space and I will cherish it forever. And I will say there were some things postpartum that happened that I was kind of like not super loving. And that's more what I hold on to. Interesting Mm -hmm. enough. I hold on to that. And I still talk about this and I probably still haven't processed this. And I probably might be that 60 year old in my sixties talking about it. We'll process it one day. My my postpartum, you know, but, and I think that processing is going to come to like knowing more. No, just answering the questions that I have. Right. And it wasn't bad. There were just some things I was like, what happened? Like, what, what was that? Um, But yeah, I think, I think to what you're saying is getting that team, feeling that space where you might still have those desires of those birth preferences, but it's not even something you're focused on. No, don't even question. There's any part of you that's like, this doesn't feel good, right? Like if you're sitting in that waiting room and you're like, I don't even like being in this waiting room. That's not just because waiting rooms suck. There are some waiting rooms I've sat in. I didn't even notice I was waiting. I felt good. Yes. I felt safe. I felt at ease. I want to invite women to stop gaslighting themselves and trust their intuition. Mm-hmm. That just gave me the chills. And Literally. just because all your friends birthed with that doctor or that midwife and they have great Yelp reviews, it does not mean that it works for you. And there is yes. nothing wrong with you if you switch providers four times in your pregnancy until you find the right one. People spend more time shopping around for cars and test driving cars than they do the person who's going to hold space for their birth. You know, yes. it's kind of wild, right? So I really want to invite women to do that. Spend more time noticing how your body feels when you're in certain environments and with certain people mm-hmm. who are going to be there for your birth. It might be the most amazing doula that everyone loves and you meet her and you're like, I am not vibing. Like, is yeah. there something wrong with me that I'm not vibing with like the best doula that everyone recommends? No, you just don't vibe and that's fine. <laughs> like, yes. You might vibe with a doula who's only done one birth. And like doesn't have any reviews, but you just feel real safe with her, right? Yes. And that's where you need to walk toward. So yeah, the birth plan is helpful only because it's an exercise in learning about what goes down at a birth, mm-hmm. but it's not because it's going to keep you safe from the unknowns, right? You need to feel safe with your team, right? Absolutely. The birth plan is not a contract. Just because you have one, it doesn't mean that everyone has to abide by the contract. Yeah. It's, it's just an opportunity for you and your partner to be like, oh, what's PKU? Oh, what's an epidural? Oh, what's Pitocin? That's where you can learn about this process. Mm-hmm. But I would just invite everyone to shop around with who's going to be at your birth. Do not caretake, right? Like, oh, yes. my mom really wants to be there. You know, it's like, that's okay. She wants to be there. But if you have a really charged relationship with your mother and it would actually stress you out for her to be there because she's an anxious woman, she's not supposed to be there because the woman birthing is supposed to surrender. And how can we surrender to birth when we're taking care of everyone? Everyone's feelings. Yes. I mean, I can relate to that so much. I, my mom, my mom to this day, I don't know if she'll ever forgive me. I like, seriously, she, she holds this grudge against me that I didn't love her unconditionally enough to invite her into that space. But right there just goes to show, right? Like my mom, I love her. 
I love my mom. I do. She's not the person I want in my birth space. Right. And, and I would have been that person. I would have been that person worrying about what she would have been thinking and her worries along the way right? and hosting my mom. And so, yeah, sometimes those, those things are really, really hard. Those, those choices are really hard to make, but creating that birth space is going to be so powerful. And like you said, you can change many times. You can change, you can change during your labor. If someone comes in and they're not resonating with you and you're not feeling it and you're feeling contention, excuse them from the birth space. Ask your husband or your partner or your doula, someone else to play the bad guy and let them go. And that is okay. You know, and you know, when I went in to go get my op reports for my second, he looked at me, he laughed and he said, good luck. No one's going to want you out there right there. Why did I stay with a provider that treated me that way? Why didn't I follow my heart? Right. Why didn't I follow that heart? And, you know, I was feeling good about my provider with my third. I was, but something didn't feel right. And I couldn't, I couldn't put a, you know, a pointer on it, but it was, it was more like, I think my provider is going to be restricted in the end. And he would have, he would have been restricted in the end. So I love that. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's like what the classic narcissist says when you try to leave them. It's like, good luck out there. No one else is going to want you. That's literally what a narcissist says to their, I don't want to say victim, right? Because no one's a victim and no, no one is a victim. Everyone has choice. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even in a narcissistic relationship, the one who's quote unquote being abused is choosing to be there. They're the one who's choosing not to leave, you know, but it's just interesting that we get into these dynamics with our medical providers. And it's not just OBs, it's midwives as well. You know, I I want everyone to get very clear on the reality that just because you're working with a midwife does not mean that it's not going to be a highly controlled, uh, potentially conventional relationship Mm -hmm. and birth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are providers out there that are going to be right for you and not right for you. And right. I, I do a two. I encourage you like follow your heart. And like you said, check into it. If you're in that waiting room and your heart is racing and you're feeling anxious, you, I don't know. I, I mean, you got You got to tune into it. This is where, um, you know, I speak a lot about intuition. Um, and when Julie was with me, I mean, I swear we preach intuition and it is hard sometimes to really dive in and, and yeah. figure that out. But you know, it's important. It's really important. It's going to tell you something. It's going to tell you something. And, um, same thing with processing birth, right? Like tune into that. What is, what's hanging there? What is hanging there? And, and what are you, what are you talking about? Like first on, that's probably something that's probably something that's triggering you. Of course, of course. Yeah. And this is also what I do. I lead doula trainings and mentorships, and so this is a lot of what we talk about in this mentorship is how to hold that space, right? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily some of the women that do this training, it's not even to become a birth doula. It's just learning how to hold space for a woman and offer reflection when they're going through their process or if they want to process something, you know, postpartum. And in this training, I also require that the trainees do their own, uh, you know, amount mm-hmm. of uh, share of processing, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. we can't really be holding space for women unless we're also in a self-actualization process, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, it's just learning to tune into the body and again, not gaslight yourself, right? Yeah, I love that. Oh, so many things. You have so many amazing things. So tell everybody where, so we've talked about your course, your trainings, Tell tell everybody where they can find you and find more information about everything that you offer. 
Yeah. So um, my website is obviously the, the best place to get in touch with me. It's alacuenca.com. And there's also uncoveringbirth.com. And that's where, you know, you could go through the master class, even if you're not pregnant, if you're a practitioner of any kind, you know, you're a chiropractor or a friend of yours is giving birth and you just want to understand the arc yeah. of birth, right? Like how, how were we birthing? How, how have we arrived here? And I really feel everyone should understand their own birth. Even if you don't plan to have kids, understand how you came in because the way that we're born what we experienced in our mother's womb when she was pregnant with us, that influences, like that's that creates the blueprint for our life. So a lot mm -hmm. of unanswered questions you might have about your health, about your your mental, spiritual state, like those are things that you can uncover in understanding birth more clearly. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I also have an Instagram. So I do a lot of interaction there. You know, I like to answer questions on Instagram. Um, I do a lot of health advocacy on Instagram. So I, you know, I provide different types of forms for people who are going into yeah. hospital settings and want to make sure that they can keep their placenta, for example, and want to mm -hmm. understand their rights with placenta. And so, yeah, I, I offer a lot of those resources through Instagram and through my website. Love it. Awesome. And we'll make sure to have all of your information right here in the show notes in case you don't know how to spell a la Cuenca. Don't worry. <laughs> it's right down there. And it is not A-Y-L-A. It's E-Y-L-A if you're looking on Instagram as well. So thank you so much, Ayla. It's been a pleasure. You are amazing. I can just feel, I can feel the passion coming through this Zoom. I really can. Like, I feel like I need to come be your friend. I need to come. Please, please. Like you are amazing and I'm so grateful for you. And I know so many people would take so many nuggets out of this episode and they're going to, they're going to apply it in their, their, their journey. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Tell us about your experience at the vbacklink.com slash share. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julian Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC Link.